Welcome to the 70th edition of Make Pro Wrestling with Jesse again. I am Tiger Height. And I am Peanut Gallery. So let's first talk about Clash at the Castle because there is a lot to talk about here. It's all good. Um, overall, this was a fantastic show. Oh, absolutely. Lots of great stuff. 100% it gets two thumbs up from me. It gets one thumbs up for me, but let's, let's talk about the matches. So we did not watch the pre-show, so we did not watch the pre-show match, and we're not going to go back and watch it. But let's talk about the first match, which was Damage Control taking on Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Bianca Belair. Yeah. Um, it was a fun opener. I thought in parts it dragged a little bit, it though. Did. It was a very inconsistent as far as the, the, the um, match kind of flow went so yeah no it was it was it was not good in that sense but otherwise i also it just I, made perfect sense right and i also hate being this guy but they just named bailey's group damage control and this was the first time that it was used mm -hmm. i dig it i like the theme song but i think in the in in the context of clash of the castle this should have been done at the raw before not like not at the show you don't debut a brand new group name on a regular show or on a pay-per-view. You do it at a regular show because that's where the majority of the viewers are going to be. I'm I, sorry. I disagree with that. But, you know, anyways, let's talk about the end. Let's talk about the end of the match. So it was the face plant thing that Bailey does to pin the women's champion. Now that is interesting on a lot of different levels. It is interesting that she's the one that ate the pin. Not not only that, but who pinned her was the clear leader of the right. group, which exactly. is Bailey. They're already setting up for the next women's champion yeah, match. They are. Now, because of the pacing, I can only give this an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. Yep, Orange Cassidy thumbs up now, for this one. If if the pacing was better, this would have been one hundred percent of oh, thumbs absolutely. up solid. It was just the pacing. Let's talk about two thumbs up. Oh, a hundred percent. Uh Gunther versus Sheamus for the Intercontinental Champion. If you want a match that not only transcends the wrestlers, but this title, this was the match. This was this was an excellent match. What a match. It was so good. Now, if you want pacing done right, this was pacing done right. It was, it was your classic bruiserweight match. Right. It wasn't, it, it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't supposed, it's not supposed to, be. to be pretty. The power bombs weren't pretty. The hits weren't pretty. Nothing about this was pretty. You didn't have flippy dippies. You didn't have this, but God damn it, these people are gonna make some merch sales. Okay, yeah. this was exactly what it should have been. Yeah. Hit in your face, a brawler. Um, I love that Imperium is back. By the way, mm -hmm. that was fantastic. Back. Giovanni Vinci is part of the group, and it's Imperium. It's Imperium forever, and it's awesome. Yeah. I loved everything about this. This not only made Gunther's career, essentially, but this really showcased Sheamus as the man. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. So underrated. So awesome. Yeah. Everything about this was great. But Gunther won with pretty much the most violent lariat I've seen since JBL. Two like, thumbs up. Oh, 100%. Two thumbs up. Like, career and Probably title Probably the defending. best match of the night. It was, it was fucking close to me. Let's talk about Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler for the SmackDown Women's Champion. Oh, this one I think was the weakest match for me. This match was weird. It was. I said I said this match was weird. Here's my issue with this. Why didn't Shayna Baszler win this? Everybody was behind Shayna. Also, the weird thing was Liv Morgan won this match 
clean. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was a very, it was cleaner than Ronda Rousey, which is interesting. I have to agree with you on that. Why did she win this one clean? Now, because Liv Morgan went into this kind of a pseudo heel, and if she did like a, like a Bailey circa 2019, right before she cut her hair and turned mega heel, that would have been better than what we got here. It was right. just kind of a cookie cutter. And it's so unfortunate because they really promoted this the right way. This cut Shayna Baszler off at the knees. Yeah. And where you could have set up such a strong right. Shayna Baszler-Ronda Rousey Royal Rumble match. Mm-hmm. And then you just do this. I don't, I, I don't get it. You did it right up until this point. Yeah. And because this happened, because of the ending especially clean... I have to give this one a full thumbs down. So do I. It just, down. it just didn't make sense to me no. in the full context right. of everything now, else. Megan Majestic again, of course, just picked the Shayna Baszler should have won. Right. And or if you wanted Liv Morgan to win, there was a way to do this without making her with with making her kind of that pseudo heel. Because right. I'm sorry, she wasn't cheered at all. This was the wrong choice. Right. Have a kind of a weird, uh, like weirdo finish. Maybe a it count. Has, it has to be weird, kind of like the the main event was weird finish. Right. What about a count out victory? That would have made this uh, infinitely right. more majestic. Exactly. You set up a three way. You're happy. I'm. I, I would be happy with a three way at the pay per view. Right. The next pay per view. But no, they did this with a clean victory. Like why? Then what was the point of Shayna Baszler being in right. this match? Exactly. Had, just have the Ronda Rousey rematch and get it done yep. with. Like exactly. that that just would have been better. Oh, absolutely. I just don't understand. All right, let's talk about okay, now Edge and Rey Mysterio taking on Judgment Day. The rivalry was there. The build was there. Mm-hmm. And actually, the match itself was pretty good. I thought everybody played this really well. Mm-hmm. The pacing was right. Yeah. The timing was very good. Well, you got a bunch of veterans in that fucking match. And so Dam- of course it's going to be a good And match. you know what? Even though Damian Priest was like the least seasoned of these guys, he did a great job. He's still seasoned. He's still been wrestling for years and years and years up to this point. Right, so. but, but his reactions were great. Yeah. Um, everybody was where they needed to be. They just structured this match in a way that everybody paced themselves right. I give it a thumbs up. It was a good match. Oh, absolutely. So it was a spear on Finn Balor for Edge to win, but let's talk about the ending where Dominic Mysterio, what a low blow. The crowd lost their minds. Oh, Edge's, yeah. Edge's reaction. Edge's reaction to the low blow was money. Money. Ooh, spicy on that meatball. And then finally... Dominic turns on his dad. Right. What a fucking clothesline, man. I had chills. I have chills now. I'm like, this is what Dominic needs. He needs that heel turn. How they're going to follow up on this, I don't know. And notice how he didn't join Judgment Day Right. Either. He did not. He just was kind of a badass. It's like, yeah. this is what he needed. He needs to step away from the shoes of his dad. Keep the name Dominic Mysterio, but have him be a very Eddie Guerrero-esque right. badass. Exactly. And, and you're going to have a winner. Right. You're going to have a winning rivalry. And, and, I, and I, I hate being this guy because I, I feel like Dominic is a really nice guy, IRL. 
but he just seems like a natural heel. Yeah. Like legitimately, this is what people wanted. Exactly. We want we want to chill at heel Dominic. Right. Like that's what we wanted. That's what we want. But just everything worked in this match. Yeah, absolutely. And this was the match that I was most concerned about, but it really held up, and I'm super stoked about that. Oh my god, what a match. Matt Riddle, Seth freaking Rollins. Seth Rollins coming out dressed as Elton John because reasons was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. He, he looked like a fire goddess, and it was awesome. <laughs> um, anyways, I give this match a this, prob- probably a thumbs up. If it was not, so, if not, it was like, so even, close yeah, to two. It, it was, was so close. close. But an excellent showing, of course. We were going to get a great match because it was Seth Rollins. It was Riddle. Like, we're going to get a great match. Absolutely. Regardless. The rivalry going into it, they built it right. Uh, here's my issue with this. Here's how you make this majestic again because it just should have been no holds barred. What a fucking no holds barred match. Yeah. And that's the one thing about this whole show that it was missing. It was missing a stipulation match. It was. I wanted a nice little stipulation yeah. in there. I was it was missing a stipulation. And especially given like that final fucking promo of them saying, I'm gonna fuck you up. What a fucking way to do that right. with a with a no holds bar. Oh, absolutely. Brawl in the crowd. One hundred. Brawl in the crowd. Let's see the backstage oh, area. Let's do some of that. That would have made this just Ubo Momento amazing. Oh, absolutely. But but within the context of what they did, they did it right. Mm. A great paced, very physically done, like let's hit each other hard sort of match. It worked in that context. Yeah, absolutely. And there were there were not a lot of wrestles either. It was very much straightforward. Let's hit each other hard, which once again, right. given the rivalry, that's what you needed. Always fun. And I liked how it's like, oh, the emotions of Riddle got the best of him. Two curb stomps. Yeah. One of them from the second that, rope. That was my favorite part was just that. Kept that kept Riddle kept Riddle strong. It did, too. yeah. So overall, just absolutely fantastic. But it just only gets one thumbs up because of just that one discrepancy. Just that one thing of making it just slightly better was it being no holds barred. That's all it had to be. Anyways. Uh, there's always extreme rules next month. So. Exactly. I, I think that's what they're waiting for is making that extreme rules really extreme rules. Yeah, let's talk about the final match. The main now. event. Roman there's a Reigns. Lot to with this oh, one, yeah. But I'm going to give this two, two thumbs, thumbs up. 100%. Two thumbs up. What one of, a one fucking of, storytelling one of match. Roman Reigns' best defenses happened right here. Oh, yeah. Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre. For the undisputed champion, Drew McIntyre in the Broken Dreams theme. I wish he came out to it fully. They just didn't commit. I'm disappointed. But what a fucking match, man. This was so good. Wonderfully paced. Great story all the way around. The crowd. Just a crowd. Yeah. They were... Like, the crowd is two thumbs up. Oh, yeah. No, this crowd. Good on you. Especially the guy that said, better dad than Chris Benoit. You're a legend. <laughs> like... Anyways, let's talk about the highlights <laughs> because there's so much to unpack. Um, the, the initial pacing of Roman Reigns being disheveled about him getting over on McIntyre. Yeah. McIntyre's direct focus. The back and forth physicality overall. Yep. Let's we'll uh, talk about uh, let's theory. talk about theory. Let's yeah. talk about Austin Theory's uh, Austin Theory coming in, about to cash in, but then Tyson Fury just punching his lights out. What a sell by Theory, by the way. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, good for him being totally okay with 
legitimately getting punched by one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. Yeah. Like, legitimately. Let's also talk about the other interference in this match with Solo Sokoa. The only Uso that can travel internationally was there. What a way to debut on the main roster exactly. than get involved in such yeah. a high-profile match. You keep McIntyre strong. By the way, Roman Reigns won clean with the spear. I'm not 100 about that one, but because of the interference, Reigns would have lost. He would have, absolutely. You kept him that strong. That definitely sets him up for a rematch, which is what we're looking forward to. And I think that um, something like that in Philadelphia, perhaps, is, is a... No, not extreme rules. This has to be on a bigger stage. Reigns has to lose as one of the big four. I'm sorry. Well, of course he has to lose, but they're definitely setting it up for a rematch at Extreme Rules because you know that Paul Heyman wants to be extra involved in a match like this. But do you do you think that McIntyre is going to win this? Number one, no, McIntyre is not going to win this. That would be that would that would be a mistake. No, it would it? Yes, it would. It no, would 100 be a mistake. They're going to have him lose. Uh, Roman Reigns is going to lose to someone like uh, Seth Rollins or Cody Rhodes when he comes back from injury. I I understand with yeah, Cody. That's, that's gonna well, well, at this point, Cody Rhodes is inevitable, but given the context of this show, if you want to make this a two-thumbs-up match-of-the-year candidate, it's at least in the conversation, but McIntyre should have won this. He was so over. He, but, but, he had, but, but, they are planning something bigger for Roman Reigns, and that is what they're looking forward to. So, um, I guess, if, I, if, I guess if, in if, that context, if, that makes if sense. The themed Redebuted at this show, which is kind of what my theory was, then it would have gone the other way. However, it didn't happen. So Roman Reigns winning made sense. Right. I think here's the issue. Um, if because the Fiend is pretty much all and done signed, he's going to face Reigns at Extreme Rules. I think no, McIntyre is going to wait. Yep. No, no. McIntyre's yep. not going to wait. No, they're going to do McIntyre Reigns at Extreme Rules. That's such a waste. I just don't. I. I wouldn't understand that in storyline contextual. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, it's going to make sense. Cody Rhodes is going to win the Royal Rumble, and he's going to face Reigns and beat him in Mania. Well, yeah, of course. But, but then but then why have McIntyre lose to Reigns again and just assure everybody that McIntyre cannot be Reigns? That just doesn't make sense to me. It's going to be an extreme rules match. That's going to be the difference. And you're going to have the manager now, here's, of here's ECW, who happens to be the king of extreme because he fucking created ECW at Reigns' corner. That's how Reigns is going to win this rivalry. And then he's going to move on to a rivalry with, no, here's, with here's how you do this. Strowman or The Fiend. No, here's how, here's how you do this, and here's how you do this right. You have the extreme rules match, like you said. Have either Braun Strowman or The Fiend attack McIntyre, and that's how Reigns wins. Mm -hmm. You don't have interference from the bloodline, but then you also have a great setup for McIntyre taking on one of those two. It's going to be a steel cage match. You know it's going to be right. a steel no, no, cage no, match. No, that's fine. Reigns keeps the title. You set up another rivalry, high-profile rivalry with McIntyre versus either Strowman or The Fiend, mm -hmm. and you're all good to the yeah, races. That's, what, that's, that's, that's how you make yeah. that majestic again, yeah. if, you're, if that's going to be the setup. But overall, just of the of this match alone gets two thumbs up. Oh, what a what a 100. great match! I mean, I think you're right. This was probably one of Reigns' best uh, retains ever, one hundred percent. So when we come back, peanut gallery. What are we talking about? We're gonna talk about the pros and cons.
no, sorry, I said cons of having a professional wrestling legend of sorts uh, take over AEW Creative because we're going to talk about that. All right, so we are back, Pina Gallery. We're talking about some. We're talking about some heckling. What are we talking about? All right, great. So I am going to propose something. And this is going to be a, a sort of, I guess, what-if scenario. Because I like to do what-if scenarios every now and then. And our what-if scenario is going to be on um, which major professional wrestler should take over the reins of AEW's creative. And I'm going to make the case I think that Chris Jericho is the best choice for this. Now, okay. I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons of having someone like Chris Jericho becoming the head of creative. So, If, if Jericho is going to do this, before you even remotely right. get into this, if Jericho is going to be the guy that takes over head of creative, he has to fully retire from in-ring competition. Yes, he does. Absolutely. 100%. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because a lot of people who are the heads of creative of various promotions throughout the world, even WWE, that are successful, that are successful, happen to be former professional wrestlers. Now, you could have gotten away with something like this in the past where, you, of course, the McMahons... Um, Eric Bischoff Eric in WCW. Bischoff, they they were not they were not uh, they were they were not wrestlers, but they were also they were the heads of creative. Mc, McMahon is a different case because Vince McMahon is not only a third generation Booker, but also his father worked with a former wrestler in Tootsmont. Right, but and that's also what we he also about. himself was a professional wrestler in some capacity for many years. Not, not with WWF, WWF because his dad would no, not no, allow him no, no, to. No, like within the WWE. Right, but like McMahon, he, but McMahon was already booking wrestling right, way before exactly. that. Exactly. So I'm going to talk about the prospects of having someone who is a, a current wrestler taking over as creative. Because obviously it, it's very well documented at this point that Tony Khan just, just cannot – he he cannot. It's it's right. it's not working. It's it's not working. Um, ever since Cody Rhodes left the promotion, because I think that Cody Rhodes was pulling a lot of strings. He was he was he was with, a nucleus. He was a nucleus right. of AEW, and him leaving leaves a huge cog in there. And the thing was that not only is Cody Rhodes a second generation wrestler, but he is essentially a second generation booker yeah. because Dusty was also a booker. Right. I mean, he booked early uh, NXT. And WCW. Right, and WCW. I mean, there, there, there comes a point in time when you have to have some sort of wrestling experience to really understand how to book wrestling. And and I think that Hunter does it really well because of course he has the He's been in the business for so yeah, long. Exactly. I mean he, he wrestled in WCW in yeah. the late eighties. Yeah. That's where he, he was terrorizing. Right. But also he was trained by one of the best in the world, Killer Kowalski. He was around Vince McMahon yeah. for such a long time as a as an executive. And as of course son in law, you know, I mean you can't deny that the family also has a lot to do with his development. And, of course, that kind of rubbed off on Shawn Michaels. But we're not talking about Shawn Michaels. We're Even not talking about Triple H. We're talking about the possibility of Chris Jericho becoming the, uh, the, the I think, in my opinion, the most ideal head of creative of AEW. There he is. And, and, and 
There's a couple of reasons why, and I want to go over a couple of these pros. I'm going to disagree with you, but continue. Okay, so first of all, Chris Jericho experience. He has a lot of experience as a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, inside of the ring, of course, he has uh, uh, the, the bulwark of singles, of tag team, of factional success, just as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Also, he has won titles of many different promotions in many different eras. He understands how to build yourself as a character up into those main event spots. And his his third major strength is he is constantly reinventing himself as a character. So in terms of character development, he would absolutely excel in building and at least helping to build these long-term storylines. Okay. Now, cons, of course, we have talked about his ego. He, you know, if, if you want to prevent as much ego as possible, he, he has, has to, to retire. retire. He has to. We cannot have a current wrestler running booking. That just does not work. We see that with Ultimo Guerrero right yeah. now. He is the head of creative, and yet he was still the world champion yeah. forever. I understand because Ultimo Guerrero was uber popular, but why was he the booker? That right. doesn't make any sense. Exactly. We we saw that with Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. In, we saw that. Nineties. We saw that with Invader Three after he fucking yep. killed a guy. He was the head of creative in Puerto Rico, yep. and he still had a career for thirty plus years after the murder. Yeah. So. He, I mean, again, we have to separate out the booker from the 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 uh, from the wrestler. Now, let's talk about like you know, for example, like there are a lot of other wrestlers who are bookers as well, like Jado and stuff. This is this is the only wrestler. Oh, absolutely. I think here's my thing, and I'm gonna say this right. I would choose Dustin Rhodes over Chris Jericho. Oh, really? Okay. As booker. Here's my thing. Because Dustin Rhodes worked a lot closer, he worked closer with his father than Cody did. And Cody already had the mind for booking wrestling. And I think Dustin Rhodes, despite him only reinventing himself maybe once or twice, I'll be honest with you, did it better than Chris Jericho. Because he created gold dust to what it was. Nobody else could have pulled that off other than him. And he... Managed to keep Goldust so relevant for so many years, even when he left and came back and left and came back. He had his issues, obviously, back in the day with Black Rain and all of that stuff, but he's a lot better now. And then now with this pseudo-natural, people are excited to still see him to this day. He has a longevity career and he also has that second-generation Booker that I think he would be a much greater benefit well, like, overall. Like he would be the one that you could see leave the ring earlier than Chris Jericho yes. as well. Yes, yes exactly. Because, of course, we, we we say that, oh, current wrestlers cannot be, but, you know, Jado and Gato, who are the head bookers for New Japan Pro Wrestling, they, they wrestle, they're, they're, not, they're not really, like, They wrestling. wrestle so sporadically yeah. that I barely, like, realize oh shit they right. still actively compete in some sort of capacity right they're, they're just out there ego doesn't get in the way i feel like with chris jericho and this is no disrespect to chris jericho i feel like there might be some ego there 
But Dustin Rhodes, I feel like he already knows that his time has come and gone. I feel like he would be more synergized as it relates to that, where, hey, I'm, I'm willing to put on the boots and do all of that for the sake of a storyline without being in the main event for a world title. That just wouldn't make sense. Here's the only reason why I did not pick him. I think is because of the 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 connection that of course he has with his half brother Cody, who is of course working for quote the enemy, and who was presumably seen as the quote enemy by Tony. Well, if if Tony's gonna be that, that's not a Dustin issue. That's a Tony issue, and he needs to get over that. Um, of course, we have to also talk a little bit about QT Marshall, who is the current head of live events as another potential candidate for head of booking. Head I will I, I will make this fairly brief, and this is nothing against QT. I don't think he would excuse me, I don't think he would be good with creative. Okay, and you're think for that. I think he would be better as the head trainer. Because okay. that is where he thrives. Right. He is. I, I like QT. Like, like like something like a Triple H circa 2013. Like he needs a little more experience backstage. And then maybe he right. graduates once someone like Dustin Rhodes. Or, I mean, Q, Q, QT, or, QT already wrestles very sporadically yeah, he because he already does the factory stuff. Right. And it's like, oh, it's not a developmental. The factory is essentially a school. It's oh, developmental. Yeah, it's, the factory is developmental. I think, I, I think that QT. He is much better served as the trainer and possibly a gimmick maker than anybody. Now, if you want a person that would be like a great person for um, gimmick and stuff like that, it would be a Chris Jericho. Oh, I feel like that would be a much better position for him than it would be for head of creative. assistant, perhaps. Right, exactly. That's kind of where I see it. But at the end of the day, it's Tony. It's Tony, man. Tony is a guy who makes the final decisions, and albeit tonight was good, I liked All Out. And we'll talk. About there, that there when are issues. All out. I watch, I watch the show every fucking Wednesday and every Friday, and I've been doing that, and I'll continue to do that. And I've, I'm, people are seeing. There, there are certain chinks in the armor. There are right. seeing cracks in the wall. Like, and, like, if you really want to know whether or not the honeymoon phase, I mean, it's the honeymoon phase is dead. dead. It's, it's it's dead and buried. It was dead for a half a year, um, and and we predicted it. Cody Cody was the nucleus that was keeping that honeymoon phase alive, and as soon as he left, that's when we saw issues. Right. There, and, and correlation was right. a causation here. Yeah, and 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 I wanted to kind of keep it relevant because, you know, of course we're heckling. We, we want to know kind of what the hell is going on. Obviously, there is a, a, a lack of direction from, I mean, we saw with Vince up until very recently, where if you are not actively a wrestler or actively involved in some capacity as an active wrestler within the industry, you, you lose touch. With, with the crowd. And so what we're trying to provide is an avenue where AEW could be successful under a different creative direction. And I said that Chris Jericho would be perfect for it. And you think that Dusty Rhodes might even be better. And and I tend to agree and have QT Marshall in there as, as some sort of you know direction. Because right now, it's, it's a ship without a rudder. There is no direction. Where is it going? 
What, right. What is AEW doing with itself? But we're going to talk a little bit more about the direction of AEW when we get to that point. But before that, we're going to talk about something from wrestling lesson. What is that going to be? So we're going to be talking about the WWF's relationship with the United Kingdom as a whole. They talked about the stadium show, but let's talk about the other one. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that.
So we are back. And because the WWE had their first stadium show in the United Kingdom with Clash of the Castle for the first time in, like, what, 30 years? Let's talk about some other shows that were also there in the United Kingdom in some way, shape, or form. But let's talk about the first one. It was actually called the... Uh, it, it was the U, the WWF UK event, also known as WWF on Sky One, because this was actually one of the first events that happened on Sky One, because it happened on October 10th, 1989. We're going that far back. Oh yeah, no, they, there is a there is a very long history with WWF in the United Kingdom. A lot of the bigger, uh, one of their first tours that they did outside of. America was actually in the United Kingdom in general, not in Europe. So that's kind of what happened there. Now, this first event happened in 1989, and it happened in the London Arena in, well, London, England. Now, the London Arena does not exist anymore. It was demolished. It was closed in 2005, and it was demolished in 2006. It had seven matches on the card, and it was debuted, or it was main evented by Hulk Hogan defeating Randy Savage for the WWF champion because obviously it was early, um, it was late 80s, early 90s Hulk Hogan. Let's talk about the next one because they actually skipped a few years. Where we go back to it in the European Rampage in 1991. And they, this was the tour for many of years. It was always called the European Rampage. And it always ended in England in the same arena. And the first one, which I want to talk about right now, because this was the biggest draw, was the first European uh, Rampage. And it was main evented by Hulk Hogan defeating Sergeant Slaughter for the WWF title. Because once again, early 90s Hulk Hogan. Also, Sergeant Slaughter, because it was Sergeant Slaughter at that time. And we can't talk about this without talking about the SummerSlam in 1991. This was referenced highly within uh, with with uh, Clash of the Castle. Right, 1992's SummerSlam, and you can't go wrong with it because yes, this was at Wembley Stadium, and I do not think no, it actually it doesn't exist anymore, does it? Wembley Stadium? Yeah, it still does. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yes, uh, this happened obviously on uh, in uh, 1991, and it, it was August. Oh no, no, 31st. Wembley Wembley Stadium doesn't exist anymore. Oh, you're talking about like because Wembley Stadium does exist, but it's a different stadium structure. Yes, this stadium structure does not exist anymore. Right. As as a stadium, so it was closed on October 7th, 2000, and it was demolished between 2002 and 2003. They had to do this in sections. But yes. This Wembley Stadium that we know now does not exist anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's called Wembley Stadium anymore. I don't. I don't know either. Maybe it's. Well, because they're they're a spot. They 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 have the sponsored arenas and stadiums like they do here in the United States. I mean, not not quite as many, but yes, they do have those. I mean, god goddamn, the one in right now is a uh, Principality Field. So right. So, anyways, uh, a long story short is this is. This was, I think, like the second or third iteration of, of Wembley. So yes, yeah. is it, uh, Wembley Wembley Stadium is in Madison Square Garden of England. Yeah. Like essentially the same thing, but it had eleven matches on the card. It was main evented by obviously the British Bulldog versus Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Champion, and once again, it 
this is kind of where Drew McIntyre should have won their match, but I'm not going to bitch about that too much, you know, because reasons. Because that's just what it was. Also, fun fact, the British Bulldog got so high on pills and drunk that he forgot literally everything, and Bret Hart had to call every single spot in the ring. I remember you telling me that when we were watching this. Yes, uh, Bret Hart was in the crowd as well for Clash of the Castle. It's kind of funny because he, he looks exactly like Bret Hart, but they just put like a gray wig on him. It's the funniest thing in the world. I love Bret Hart. He can't, he can't age. It must, it must be all that fucking uh, um, uh, maple syrup that he's drinking. I, I just feel like it is. And all, all the sorries and Canadian bacon, it just happens. Oh, I know. Now let's talk. I was, I was hoping that he would like just bring out like a gigantic Vatican-y bang tarp munching on it. If, if he did that, that would be the greatest pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> so let's talk about WWF No Mercy in 1999. This, this took place in England. It did. Huh, this was this actually took place in Manchester. The Manchester Evening News Arena on May 16th, 1999. And uh, it's actually now known as the AO Arena. Same exact arena. And had eight matches on the card. It was main evented by Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, retaining the WWF champion against Undertaker and Triple H in a triple threat match. And I think there were a couple of other no mercies and stuff that were within the United Kingdom. But at this point, the uh, the tours were pretty much it because they didn't want... Because really, WWF is a United States promotion. They want right, they, to make sure... Were, it was a time zone thing. Right. It, they want to make sure that it was congruent. And especially during this time, right. it was very important because it was all pay-per-view. Yeah. They didn't want to have that. And it was very difficult to have a replay of a wrestling show that happened at that time. It was very odd. Right. But they made it work at least for a couple of times. And especially during... Not the insurrection that you want to talk about. We're talking about insurrection. We're talking about we're talking about uh, insurrection. We're talking about the good one, not the bad one. Right. We're not talking about January sixth. We're talking about the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was this close of having a picture of January sixth and say, oh shit, wrong insurrection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed now that I didn't have that because that would have fit. It was really it was well. it was main evented by by. Um, by Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Can we have that? I want that to happen. That'd be and awesome. And a steel cage match. And you have to have the black and red ambiance to it because reasons. <laughs> anyway, it's not a political show despite us being a parody of a political campaign. Yep, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about insurrection, not that one. Now, this was the only reoccurring pay-per-view, like truly reoccurring pay-per-view line within WWE that only happened in England or in the United Kingdom. And, and how, how, many, how many of these did they have? From 1999 to 2003. Okay, so, so not too many years. No, there were, there were a couple of them. Now, it, this was the final show. Now, this happened in 2002, so they had one additional, and I'll talk about that one. But in 2002, the wasn't, answer— Wasn't this the first— ever um uh brand exclusive pay-per-view as well yes there we go but the brand exclusive pay-per-view happened the year before but insurrection was the first brand exclusive pay-per-view for raw but it happened in 2002 mm -hmm. now 2002 was special 
because that was the final show that they did before the infamous plane ride from hell happened. Mm -hmm. But they already had the insurrection in 2003 already booked, so they had to do it. Now, this one happened in the... Uh, in the telecast arena, formerly known as the Utility Arena, Newcastle, on June, on June 7th, 2003. And it was the only reoccurring pay-per-view in the United Kingdom. And it had nine matches on the card. It was main evented by Triple H defeating Kevin Nash for the world champion. Yeah. Obviously, this was during Triple H's reign of terror. Yeah, I think I think I saw this. Um, I think that Wrestle Wrestling Bios did a. Did they a, did, uh, yeah. They did do a, a, a expose, not an expose, a a recap of this rivalry. I remember this. Yes. Yeah. Well, of course, everybody wants to talk about the reign of terror, but this was the last one that I want to talk about because right after the 2003 event, they did absolutely nothing until Clash of the Castle. Mm. As there far were... as pay-per-views went. Now, yep. they did, of course, NXT UK was a big thing, but they have done a lot of tours in the United Kingdom. Right, but but this was like the last like true pay-per-view pay-per-view mm. before they stopped doing that entirely. Um, the, the issue with this is not only just that time zone, but after the plane ride from hell especially, they wanted to make sure that everybody had the opportunity to rest and get sober and get back on there. Mm. It was really more so of an HR and PR nightmare sort of thing before anything. Right. And it it just was – it's very odd because, I mean, nowadays it's going to be a lot easier for them to do this because right. they do it all the time. And especially Clash of the Cashel and Clash, Clash of the Cashel. Clash of the Cashel. I'm just going to make that work. Clash at the Castle and how successful that was, it's going to be reoccurring again. Right. But, and, and, of course, we can't have whirling, whirling. penises. I right. Mean, as, much as, as much as Velveteen Dream wants that, we can't have any yeah, more but, of but, that. But the, but the issue with that is that that's actually going to be consensual. So. That is true. <laughs> uh, well, you, uh, you know, I mean, was it really consensual even then? No. Was it consensual now? Oh, hell no. Right, absolutely. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the... No, no non-consensual penis posting. No. I'm a good Christian animal as it relates to that. I always make sure that they are aware of seeing the big guy. So... <laughs> <laughs> Call call my. I don't, I don't know if I want to call two point three inches the big. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Maybe flaccid. So uh, let's talk about just the European tour in general because they continue to do the European tour and it's always been incredibly successful mm -hmm. since nineteen eighty nine. The European tour has been a constant. That's the, why they're doing NXT Europe. Right. They're they're doing NXT Europe. That's a thing that's going to happen. The thing was with the UK is that because of the restriction, it was COVID. We well, no, although we did talk about this last week. So we did. We we talked we talked about it more in general, but right. I, I feel like with you with um well, especially with Brexit. Brexit did not help them whatsoever. But if you wanna if you wanna go into detail about that, we do have another video on that that was very recent. So I recommend you watch. It was that. literally the last episode. It was. So go ahead and listen to the last episode yeah. when we actually talked about the future of that, but. Going to what it is, I think that's going to be the NXT's version of the UK it's, tour. Yeah, it's 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 going it's it's going to continue. Like expect more European pay per views because and, and, this and, was really successful. Right, and at the same time, well, okay, in in Wales because it's part of the United Kingdom, 
they may or may not have a UK tour within of itself. Oh, no, they will. I think they're going to do maybe like one or two big shows. I don't think they're going to do a full two or three week tour. I think they're going to do the European tour, but then they're also going to have some guys that are going to go on that also fly over to the um, United Kingdom to we'll do see. Raw, Raw I, SmackDown big pay-per-view. I, I, think, I think that they will have a, a tour of the UK. I don't, but, I don't think so. Well, we're we're going to see what's going to happen there. But that's anyways, just when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, – we're going to pivot, legitimately pivot into All Elite Wrestling's All Out. All Out. All right, let's talk about All Out because, number one, we did watch the pre-show. We're not going to do each individual match in each individual story because there's a lot to talk about. Well, let's just talk about we, it. We let's are, we just are, go through. There are 15 matches. Let's go. Now, we are going to talk about one match in depth because I feel like it should be talked about, and that was literally the first match. Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti defending the Triple A World Mixed Tag Team Team against Ortiz and Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho broke her nose. So there were two really scary spots. There was the double team from the Cheaters where Ruby Soho. The cheaters, I like that name for them. Right, exactly. They're, they're the Cheaters. They're, uh, uh, you know, they're going to hell. So Ruby Soho, <laughs> hit a, she, she, got, she got hit in the face with a pump kick, and Sammy Guevara just threw her. And Ruby Soho, like, slinked around directly on the top of her head like a slinky. And then uh, Ty Mello now hit the Ty KO, basically concaving Ruby Soho's face into oblivion. Definitely breaking her nose, but I think there's more of an injury uh, for them to retain. Fuck these two. They injure people. They suck. They're bad, just in general. Hook taking on uh, Angelo Parker. Hook won with Red Rum. It was a nothing sandwich. And we also had I do I do like the rivalry. We're talking about how they're actually like Hook is very is being very well developed by AEW. Like right. he is he is one of those success stories. I think that a lot of other you know people should follow because he is being booked very conservatively, but at the same time it doesn't feel like conservative right exactly like he's very prominent he's doing very well i wish he wrestled more on television but they're not doing they're, that they're kind of doing a carrie morton sort of push right and not like a dominic mysterio sort of push that's true but they're not they're not directly associating hook with taz either exactly. so that's really helping him other than like oh this is the kid of taz like whatever he's he's doing his own thing uh, Pack and Kip Sabian for the like All-Atlantic Champion. I, I, like, I like Kip Sabian's uh, uh, gimmick. But it was a good match. It. It was a, yeah, it was a decent match. I thought, I thought overall it was a good match. It was surprisingly very good for me personally. It was Black Arrow for Pack to retain the All-Atlantic Champion. And then Orange Cassidy came out because they have given up on Orange Cassidy entirely. And apparently Kip Sabian is yelling at a box. Let's talk about the final one, which was the bootleg dollar store version of Gunther versus Sheamus with Tomer Ishii and Eddie Kingston. Yep. I'm sorry, they tried to emulate it. Just, it. Eddie it just Kingston didn't work. in a literal Sasquatch without hair. Cause, Literally, because you know Sasquatches, they don't have. And I and I and I like Tomer Ishii. I kind of wish he was at the show that we're going to in Las Vegas here. Well, I thought he was. Is no, he not. No, I don't think he's there. I could be wrong. You didn't bring down your iPad. That was your fault. Well, you know what. 
Anyways, we'll talk about that a little Over, bit later oh, on. Overall, the match was fun. It was yeah. very brutal overall. I'm going to give the entire pre-show in Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'm going to give the whole pre-show, despite the injury and stuff, a thumbs up because I enjoyed more of it than I hated. But it was a Northern Lights driver for Eddie Kingston to win. I, he's super popular. I oh, don't know why is. he was on the pre-show, but it is what it is. There was nothing for him to do. Anyways, well, there, well, there was, but then you had the incident. But we'll talk about that later. Let's move on to the main show, then, won't we? Yup, we're going to talk about the casino ladder match. It started off with Wheeler Yuta and Ray Phoenix. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's let's dissect this. The pacing of this match was really weird, and no one knew about these spots at all. I'm going to give this a thumbs down. It was the Worst casino battle royal I have seen. Casino ladder match, and I agree with you. It gets a full thumbs down. Um, the pacing was incredibly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, it really didn't get good until the very end of the match like, itself. We got like five or six people in there, and then it got there were good. there were some spots that were really fucked up, like the Don- Cesaro right. and Andrade <laughs> spot. That was absolute garbage. Like Dante Martin and and uh, and uh, Penta, they saved. The whole match. Yeah, Dante Martin was very good. I Dante liked... Martin, of all people, saved the fucking match. And then we had the ending. This ending was so bad. It was hot garbage. MJF and a bunch of masked people. I mean, okay, hold on. It was the, quote, Joker. The Joker. But we all know who the Joker was. The Joker was not exposed. So you had, um, what's his name, Stokely Hathaway and all of his little weirdos attack yeah, like everybody. Like Morrissey. He grabs and... So... He grabs the chip, goes down, out comes the Joker, still in mask, has the chip, technically wins, right? and then he leaves without even acknowledging what was happening. This was such a piss-poor ending to this match. Thumbs down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a disservice to everybody else who actually did a ton of work. It was ridiculous. I would be pissed off. Ooh, now this match. So Hangman, Hangman Page and Dark Order taking on the Elite... In the AEW World Trios Championship Thumbs match, up. it was 100%. a good match. It was uh, a Kenny, good match. Kenny Omega looks like he's fully healed. I feel like now I was I was critical of Omega during yeah. this run. I and I was wrong, but guess what? I am a man who's willing to admit when he's wrong. I thought that he was wearing the compression shirt and all the tape because he wasn't ready. I think he did that to troll. I could be. <laughs> No, he did. He I, totally I, did. I could be wrong about that assumption. He could still be but in he, withering he pain, looked, but he did. He looked like he was in great shape. He and did he a was lot ready better for this match. Yep, he did a lot better in this match than I thought he did. In the, the, the chemistry past. with all six of these, oof. Like, yep, one hundred. Uh, but you knew who the real rivalry was now with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Absolutely, and they played on that. And it was so good. It was very good. the The pacing of this was perfect. Nobody looked bad in this match either. Uh, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, who arguably are the weakest personas within this match. They're no longer the weakest people. They look like megastars. They they were megastars. Yeah, exactly. Why why put them with the Dark Order at this point? The Dark Order is a nothing sandwich, and that's unfortunate. Because because these two have transcended that entire group. So their leader died. I mean, I think that if Brody Lee was still alive, Dark Order would be much bigger than it is. But I think that it lost its muster. But, you know, 
it, because, because they continued that, it. Right, but that's a conversation for another day. Actually, that'd be a great topic, it by the be. way. We'll talk about that one later, but because there are actually quite a few examples of that. So, uh, great back and forth, well-paced, lots of time, too, and I was oh, so absolutely. happy about they that. It was like 30 minutes. And ev- all 30 minutes were just gripping. They were fantastic. I mean, it, gripping yeah. stuff. Just, I was so excited. I will say that you said that a certain match was the match of the night. I think this was the match of the night for me. Oh, like absolutely. Personally. Um, it was, I was. I was talking about Clash at the Castle. Right. But. So it was, it was a buckshot lariat accidentally hit on um, John Silver, and then Kenny Omega pinned Silver for them to win. People like, oh, they just did this for parody. This was a title that they should have brought in before the All Atlantic. Oh, absolutely. This is what 100. they needed. They needed this match. This was this was a needed belt for AEW for the longest time. We even said a year ago, let's bring in a trios champion because there were so many factions. And they had all of them just ready to go for yeah. that shit because there were faction rivalries all the time and they just didn't do it. At least um, never. At least they have them now. Better late than never, I guess. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they do with these titles at this point. Yeah. Let's talk about Jade Cargill taking on Athena for the. This was kind of anticlimactic and extremely. boring. Extremely. I'm gonna um, give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm gonna give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down as well. Um, it was kind of in. So for some reason, Jade Cargill. I I thought she was sick for some reason, but she was dressed as the She-Hulk. <sighs> Jade. I like you. I like you a lot. You're one of my favorite wrestlers on AEW television. You literally have everything. But why are you portraying She-Hulk when that show is going to be literal hot garbage? Because reasons. You could dress as literally any other Marvel, Capcom, bullshit, superhero. Why dress as something that's literally SJW, let's jerk off the libs bullshit. It's so annoying. Because it, just, it it took away from it. Because she looked ridiculous. And this green paint got fucking everywhere. Oh, yeah, it did. It was disgusting. I also, did... also th- again, the pacing of the match everywhere. was weird. Athena's, Athena's gear was fucking cool, though. So at least I saved that. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. It was not very good. I'm going to give this Norris Cassidy thumbs down because I'm trying to be nice. Because they worked hard at it. There were a couple of really good spots within it. Let me put it this way. This was one of the better defenses I've seen with Jade Cargill. But it's still just... I know. It was, it was just kind of that way as well. I feel like this should have been better justified. Well, number one, there should have been less matches in general than this would have shined. This, would have, this should have been one of the matches that was cut. I actually should have. This this one should have been one of the matches that should have stayed and then maybe cut a couple of the pre-show matches and shit. Maybe have the main event of the oh, pre-show. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the opener. That would have been better right. than what we got. But it was the jaded for Jade Cargill to win. Right. Athena's basically buried at this point. Like, there's nothing for Athena for me personally. I don't get it. And who can defeat Jade at this point? I mean, at least they're booking Jade well. They but, are booking Jade really well. But at the end of the day, it, it just got lost in the shuffle, and it was a disservice. This should have been the match that should have been fucking cut. What bullshit was this? This was nothing to me. This was weird, because isn't... Aren't the Motor City Machine Guns faces and then yes, and then and then Jay Lethal is a heel, yes, and then they're facing aren't, he- aren't, faces. Aren't, aren't FTR heels? Or no, they they, they, they are they are baby faces. Are, uh, 
What is this match? This was a clusterfuck. So we have Wardlow, Motor City Machine Guns, taking on Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. You said you said you said Motor City Machine Guns twice. You Did mean, I? Yeah, you said Wardlow and Mo no, it's Wardlow and, and FTR, FTR versus. Did I really? Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, you're gonna play that back, and you're gonna feel like a fucking idiot. I'm pretty sure I will because that's ridiculous. Because guess what? It, I'm gonna give it Orange Cassidy some. I'm giving now. this a full thumbs down, a hundred percent. Um, I thought it was. I, I hated the rivalry and everything going into this. It was the a match mess. itself. Of course, you can't go wrong with FTR. I hate saying this, but the pacing was really bad. It was really bad pacing. It was. Boring. It was. And unfortunately, FTR are a part of this little thing of fruits and nuts. And the Motor City Machine Guns, too. Like, this should have been Jay Lethal versus Wardlow oh, for the TB TNT champion. Oh, absolutely. Why? You you want to put FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns? I would have seen FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns at fucking Bound for Glory. Right. That would have been perfect. Then why did you do this? This was no. This was stupid. This was stu you wasted an opportunity to have two fantastic matches. By putting them all together into one mediocre match. Yours would have made sense, and I swear to God they booked this at one point in time. Where you had Jay Lethal, um, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt taking on literally the same team of FTR and Wardlow. You would have had a match that made a lot more mm -hmm. sense in context. Oh, absolutely. But they didn't do that for some reason. They had the Motor City Machine Guns. Satnam Singh is not that bad. Like, let's calm down. Also, again, Motor City Machine Guns are Fucking baby faces. Why put them with a heel faction? Why do this? It was so weird. It was so bad. And then the ending. So Samoa Joe comes back looking like... He, he looked like he gained 30 pounds. 600 pound life is giving him a fucking call here in a minute. Like, he looked well, really bad. I mean, that might make sense considering they're both... that Now that Warner Brothers Discovery is a part of it, so maybe they are auditioning him for my 600 pound life. Doctor now has front row sees this bullshit. <laughs> but then, so, okay, the, the only thing that I liked about this entire rivalry was, uh, I think it was Dex Hardwood's daughter... That broke the pencil of Sanjay and pinned him. That was kind of cute. I like that. But at the end of the day, this it, it did not save. Nobody the, cared. Of the total uselessness of this. Yeah. It just made everybody look bad and make everybody look weak. And it was stupid. Ugh. I think Ricky oh, Starks match, is out the door. Th this match existed? Uh, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. This should have been so much more than what it was. This was a nothing. I think Ricky Starks is out the door. Think I think he's leaving. I think he's leaving. Especially after this, I would be pissed. I'd be like, ask for my release. WWE gave me a better offer. I'm going to be a megastar. Do you think WWE would take Ricky Starks? A hundred. He has everything. He has literally everything. Maybe maybe like an NXT role. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Oh, no. I think, I think he's main event. 100%. He really? has literally, he has the promo work, he has the move set, he has the pop, he has the circumstance, he has a charisma, he has everything. I guess we'll see. Now, and now, now maybe, maybe, maybe him in NXT to kind of get used to the system is good, exactly. but keep his... I could, I could see him in NXT tomorrow. 100%. But this match went so fast, it was boring. It was weird. I forgot this match existed. It was a spine buster for Powerhouse Hobbs win. The, for me, this gets an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. Four thumbs down. 
I, I don't want to give them a full thumbs down because I feel like they're just a victim of circumstance. No, full thumbs down. They I hate, suck. I, Second channel, don't care. I hate being this asshole, but this should have been one of the matches that should have been cut and put on Rampage. And oh, then Rampage, And then Rampage would have been a lot more interesting. But yeah, for some reason, they put this on All Out, which got lost in the shuffle. <sighs> Let's talk about poor booking. This, okay? this was the worst decision that they could have ever made. Swerve, two, two thumbs, thumbs down. down. Two, two thumbs down. down. I'm sorry. I don't care how good the match was. Worst match of the night. The, the, the No, the match itself was good. The ending sucked. It was, it was the poorest booking you, I think I've seen throughout Tony, the show. Tony, 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 honey. <laughs> <laughs> you had everything here. The crowd Call the audible and have the acclaimed win this match. Yep. Why? Why did you make them lose? Why did you have the scissors lose the match? They're it was. The, I'm gonna call them the scissors at this point. It was so over, and everybody on social media wanted the acclaimed to win. This was your homegrown talent and. Every sense of the word. Yeah, it was. Literally, every sense of the word. And then you have the WWE guys win. Yeah, the rejects win. I'm sorry. They're the WWE guys. You they can are. You can bitch all you want, but this was such the wrong choice. It was the powerbomb stomp for the clean victory. The acclaim should go to WWE at this point. They would be megastars. They'd beat the Usos. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they, they should beat up other face teams. Like, come on. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so frustrated because they, this was the acclaimed Scissor time. me timbers. Oh, my God. You, the crowd was there. If, if the acclaimed won this, the pop, the social media would have just erupted, and this show would have been infinitely better yeah they just didn't do it yep, and that's now why two thumbs down it's because poor booking thanks tony and guess thanks. what thanks for ruining our lives mr khan i'm and not talking about i'm actually not talking about nick for once i'm talking about tony the other con cody cody would have booked them to win this match oh too. yeah absolutely a hundred <sighs> what a fucking match to follow up on all right here we go let's follow up with this Train wreck known as the Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, Jamie, Jamie Hader, Britt Baker. Interim. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Not not a fan. Not, not a, fan a fan at all. This match. What a horribly booked, really sloppily. These women did not give a shit. No, they didn't care. Not a single. Fuck you know why? Was given. Because uh, a certain current women's champion asked for her. Fucking release hours before the show started. I'm, I'm so upset. And guess what? Here's the thing: if Jamie Hader won, the most popular woman in this entire field, we would be talking differently. But of course, we all knew who was going to win because the former A, the former WWE star. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. The former WWE star won this 
match. You know, instead of the more popular homegrown talent. Now, homegrown talent subjective, but putting them on this platform, they're homegrown. Hell, I would have been I would have been okay with Hikaru Shida or even Britt Baker B U L L Y winning this shit again. But no, they gave it to Storm. And I like Tony Storm. She's just a victim of circumstance. This crowd was dead. Oh god, this was the yeah, this, this was, was a disservice. This was the, this was the potty break. And this shouldn't have been the potty break match because we literally have the next match, which was it. Number one, thumbs down. Just, no. Uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry versus Christian Cage. This was a 20-second match. Let's I, move on. No, 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 no. <laughs> what a bullshit. Here's how you would have made this majestic again. You have Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus come out. They are both in the ring. Then you have Luchasaurus pulling a Dominic Mysterio clotheslining Jungle Boy down, beating him up, boom. That's how you would have done it. Yeah. But no, Jungle Boy barely got out there, and then Luchasaurus just came out of nowhere and attacked him. Like, what is this? And where was where was, where was was Jack Perry's help? Where was his help? Who, who could have possibly helped him? Besides, right. Besides, like, an entire fucking roster of people he didn't fucking use. Right. It's like, he's, a, he's like the most loser babyface in the world. Yeah. Where was somebody else? So, so is Jack Perry going to face all members of Christian Cage and Lucasaurus and the whatevers? Is that what's going to happen at this point? I mean, I wanted someone to come out, even though it was something like Evil Uno or whatever. At least right. it would have been something, there would be dimension to the fucking match. Right. But no, we can't have like people like, we have to feel bad for Jack Perry. Fuck. Two thumbs down. Would not recommend yeah. watching this match. Absolutely. Terrible. Um, I, th- I think it's because Christian was hurt. It was. It absolutely was. Uh, Brian Danielson. What's this? This was Lionheart, Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson. Wait, wait, what's this match? This match happened? I, I, was, I was sleeping. I was so bored. This was a boring match. It was boring. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Boring match. It, it just did not make any sense. Number one, you're like, oh, the king of... Um, I'll be honest with you, Nobody Jericho cares. Jericho was better about reinventing his character in WWE than he ever was in AEW. Oh, absolutely. Because he's going back to Lionheart, Chris Jericho. Not the wizard... Not Le Champion. He's getting lazy. He's getting complacent. Yeah. And then Brian Danielson, you know, the person who sang his song out there, that was dog shit. What a horrible lip sync. It was awful. Honestly, it just kind of ruined it for me. What are they doing with Brian Danielson? They're doing nothing with Brian Danielson. What a fucking disappointment. I know, right? How How much money did you pay for it, Tony? Absolutely. Like, they try to wrestle, like, a competitive wrestling match. I'm sorry. They're not that young anymore. They're not They're not going to do They're not as nimble. They're not as quick-witted. It's not going to happen. And it's like, oh, Brian Danielson already had a serious injury, and then Jericho is lazy. It's like, it's just not going to happen anymore. You're not going to have... The magic is not here. This is not 10 years ago, Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho. It's not. Exactly. This is 2022 them, and it was a low-blown Judas effect for Chris Jericho to win. What was the point of bringing Brian Danielson in here if he's right. just going to lose? He's just going to lose matches. Two former WWE guys because they were the only things that are fucking marquee. All right, let's, speaking of former WWE guys, let's talk Malachi. about former WWE guys. Uh, 
House of Black taking on Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro. I think literally only two the people. The only thing that mattered was Miro. Because Miro actually had a good pop, but nobody cared about anything else. Uh, people already knew about Malachi. Uh, he is so checked the fuck out of this stupid-ass company. Well, actually, he did kill the rumor that he has asked for his release. He is not asking for his release, actually. He did not. No, he did not. Okay. That was verified by him himself, is that he did not ask for his release. Maybe he's going to take some time off. Yeah, but um, anyways... Uh, Let's talk about this. So House of Black does nothing for me. Just I'm, I'm done with them. It, it's so boring. They Sting, they, Sting and Darby, they're acts getting old. Miro is the only redeeming thing about this entire thing. The, the irony, because he's yeah. actually called the Redeemer. <laughs> I mean, he is. Like, he has the biggest pop They anyone in this match. How did you fuck up the House of Black? Legitimately, how did you... This has happened. How do you fuck that up so hard? The House of Black is the next... um, Dark um, Order. No, no. The House of Black is the next control your narrative. Like, they're all just going to leave for WWE. Because no one cares. Yeah. I mean, mean, Buddy Matthews, he might go back to WWE, and so will Malachi, because both of their fucking spouses... Work for the fucking company. Are um are Matthews and Rhea married? I no, thought they were not, only dating. But I'm talking about like their SOs. They're you know significant. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just ridiculous. And you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Brody King would fit perfectly with WWE too. I think all members of House of Black would be oh, yeah, great absolutely. in WWE. That'd be awesome. But anyways, so yeah. Anyways, two I like, thumbs down. It was. I didn't. I didn't think the match existed. It was. It was, it was a match. It, once again, a, a match on All Out that shouldn't have been on All Out. I, I agree with you. Two thumbs down. It was. It was worked weird. The pacing was off. I couldn't care. And Sting hit the spray miss thing, and it was the last supper for um, uh, Malachi Black to take the L. I think he's gonna take some time off of wrestling oh, if he did not ask for his release. Yeah. Because I do know that he's dealing with some issues, and I hope he can. Take some time off and get those taken care of because of of a per, of two people here who suffer from depression ourselves. We understand that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Take some time off, get yourself back in gear. It yeah. happens. Yeah. Like don't Sometimes you need a mental health break. Right. It's all well and good. Nobody's faulting Let's him. Let's move on to the main event here. John Moxley, CM Punk. This was a world champion. I'm gonna give them credit. This was a good main event. I liked it. it. I'm going to give it an orange cap for these thumbs down. I'm going to give it a full thumbs up. I thought this was a lot betterly paced, structured. Um, The crowd was super into it. I I just like this better. I was not a fan of this. I kind of like Moxley being a little heel. It was good. I thought he plays a fun heel. Um, I, I, I just like this I mean, this match. the only thing is that, okay, John Moxley didn't bleed out of his fucking head. But CM Punk did. CM Punk. He was wearing he he was wearing white gear for a reason. Can we please stop with the fucking blood that's unnecessary, please? Can we just have like a good wrestling match that doesn't have blood in it? But I hate being this guy, but I I'm surprised that Moxley didn't bleed because usually Moxley, I know usually he's the one that bleeds. I know, but I you know Punk bleeding. It's like oh somebody oh Punk is wearing white gear. So one of the two is gonna bleed. It's almost 
obvious on what's going to happen there. But I thought that the pacing of this match was actually really good. It actually helped with Punk's definite injury. Yeah. Um, despite him now being the fucking world champion. All right, so let's talk about the fact that now he is world champion. God. So, obviously, he is a temporary world champion because, of course, as we alluded to earlier, the person who won the the uh, casino ladder match was the Joker who turned out to be MJF as I, Peanut Gallery, had correctly predicted. It was MJF. And MJF is now going to be challenging CM Punk for the world championship when when we have no idea but at the same time why but then, it, makes then, 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 sense. it makes sense because you don't want you 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 want CM Punk the face versus MJF the heel the storyline wise it makes congruent sense that's the only reason why I thought that that was a good idea. I am going to say one thing that would make this entire experience infinitely more majestic because it's really not that hard. And I want Tony Khan to stop hugging people and all of his stands to get his dick out of their mouth and listen to me because it's really not that but hard. But his stands like having dick. I know. Whatever. Why? This should have been the title unification match. Change literally nothing about this and have the title unification match happen I agree. now. I agree. Because guess what? You have CM Punk or uh, John Moxley winning one and then CM Punk winning one wins the rubber match. Right. There is going to be no rubber match. Have CM Punk win once. WWE waited for John Cena and CM Punk to unify the WWE champions at Money in the Bank. You know why? Because that made sense. You know you're shook when you have to have the undisputed world championship match on a dynamite because you know you're going to get fucked. And guess what? They're going to get fucked. Yeah. What are you doing? I agree. That's the only thing that would have made this video yep. change literally zero about this match here because this match actually turned out to be good. Like you said, here's the thing. Um, because we're pretty much done with the review. Um, All Out ended up being a good show. It did. I would give it an orange cast. I'm going to give it a full thumbs up. I thought despite it having 15 goddamn matches, the pacing was fine. Um, everything made sense, and I thought they actually did an okayish job with it. I was. They did. Production was up. 100%. The production was good. Um, certain entrances were really good, really yep. crisp. Um, some of the decisions of endings was questionable at most. But I, I, I just felt like it overall, I, I enjoyed the experience. Thank God I didn't have to pay for it, but I enjoyed the experience overall. Anyways, let's talk about next week. We have a couple next, of special next, announcements for next week. So. Yeah, so next, so next week is weird. Uh Number one, the show for next week, episode 71, is going to be airing on Saturday, yeah. and we're covering Worlds Collide. We are. Because we're going to a New Japan show at Samstown in Las Vegas. If you're going to be there, we're going to have Goldie come and say hi if you do watch us. That happens on Sunday, so we'll cover that show the following Sunday exactly. because, we're, there, because there are no pay-per-views. 
that week. Right. And so, we always cover live shows. So we are doing the show on Saturday. We're not doing a show on Sunday, Sunday. because we're going to be at Samstown. But then the following week, we'll talk about our experience at the New Japan show and miscellaneous other things. So Saturday, look forward to episode 71. Yeah. And if you're, if you're going to be there for New Japan, obviously come and say hi. Oh, absolutely. But if you did enjoy this, remember to like, follow, subscribe, become a patron. All that wonderful stuff. We'll use footage on every single show after certain criterion. And as always, be majestic.